Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. All right, again, we want to welcome you. We're in part two of a series today called Ride or Die, How to Make Sure Your Love, Your Relationship Can Go the Distance. We want to welcome those of you joining us online as well, wherever you're at today. Thank you for tuning in. When I was in college, I would have to drive all the way from Columbus, Ohio to Dallas, Texas in a 1995 two-door Honda Civic Coupe DX, which meant it was a five-speed manual with no power anything, nothing, no cruise control, nothing. So 17 hours all the way to Dallas, I would do it with one stop. That little hog got 44 miles to the gallon in that Honda Civic. It was before they had the hybrids, but it was a fuel-efficient car. And I literally could fill up before I left, stop halfway through, fill up again, and make it all the way to Dallas on that. The hardest part about that journey wasn't that I didn't have cruise control, but that was hard. I would have to, like, stretch my leg, cramps. I mean, there was no way to kind of get around that. But the hardest part is that... The majority of the time, I drove it by myself, all the way there with no companion, no ride, and that was before cell phone had unlimited minutes, and so you couldn't just get on the phone and talk to someone the whole time. It was, it was so low, and the amazing thing was is that then I developed some friendships, and oddly enough, with someone who actually lived back in Ohio, and then we started communic- like carpooling almost, but riding together. And how many of you know when you have a long road trip, the companion that you have with you makes all the difference, right? Right? And, 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 and thankfully, it was a good one. Sometimes you can get someone in there that just likes to just, you know what I mean? And you're like, all right, get out. You know, I don't know where we're at, but just get out of the car. You know, figure it out. I, I'm done. I can't handle any more of your talking, right? But when you have a good companion that's riding with you, that's riding shotgun in, your, in the ride of your life, it makes all the difference. And hopefully today in your relationships, you've picked someone that you enjoy riding shotgun with you on the road trip of your life. And I just want to tell you that you can make it all the way to Dallas without kicking them out of the car. You can make it through life with the companion that you've chosen and that you've vowed your life to. And it can be a blessing because life is much more enjoyable. Life is better together. It's a key value, the core value of what we have here at Adventure Church. We believe that, that life is better together. That's why we work hard at creating life groups and things for you to plug your life in with other people. And when we go through difficult times, the highs and lows of life, that you have a companion, a ride or die, who's with you to the very end. Last week we talked about how we have to be careful who we allow in the, in the passenger seat of our lives. The, the companion that we choose is, is very critical to our life. It's the second biggest decision you'll ever make outside of receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior is who you decide to marry and to give that kind of proximity and influence in your life. And we said you don't date hitchhikers, right? You don't just allow anybody in the car. But once you allow them in the car, it's so important that you do what you need to do to go the distance. I've never counseled a couple in premarital counseling preparing for their wedding that was planning on getting divorced. 
I've never done that. They never said, yeah, we're hoping to make it, you know, maybe four or five years, and we figure we'll just break up then, you know. It'll be fine, you know, probably before kids, maybe after. We'll kind of see how it goes, right? No one goes into it planning on separating or getting divorced, but yet inside and outside of the church world, whether you're Christian or not, over 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And so if we can learn how to keep those vows sacred and to allow the right people into our lives, first of all, as we talked last week, and then once they're in there, it's important that we do what it takes to make it go the distance. In Genesis 2-4, it says that this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. Think about that, united, tied together, and they become one flesh. Scripture tells us that God makes the two one, but then the enemy tries to make the one two, right? That's what he tries to do. God makes the two one. You become one. You're, you're united together, but then the enemy tries to come in. And the devil's objective is destruction, and his strategy is division. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy the plan of God for you. And so what he tries to do is to try to get in there, to wedge them in between you and your significant other, your spouse, and to create division, to make the two, the one back to two. And so Jesus gives us some advice. He says, this is the devil's strategy. This is what he's going to try to do. Everything in this world is going to try to pull you apart. And we make a vow and we say this, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Let no man separate what God has joined together. Don't allow anything to separate you from your ride or die. Don't allow anything to get them out of the passenger seat of your life. And so Jesus gives us some advice if we're going to make it the distance. He says what you have to do is begin to make love a verb. If you want to stay in love, you have to make love a verb. You take the noun that you fell into and you make it a verb. You have to learn how to do love. Are you following me? Don't go too far with that. But you have to learn how to do love, to make it active in your life. And Jesus gives us the foundation for staying united. He says this in John 13, 34 through 35. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And we hear this all the time. I mean, I'll use this scripture to say, love your neighbor, right? Share the gospel with them. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about hope. Man, do you love people the way Jesus loved you? But when it often comes to the close relationships in our lives, our spouse, our family, right? We don't like to apply this scripture, do we? Think about that. Love your spouse just as I have loved you. Your love for your spouse will prove to the world that you're my disciple. That's hard, right? Jesus is saying, take your cues from me. Don't look at culture. Don't even look at mom and dad and how their relationship were. Look to what Jesus did in the way he loved. That's the type of love he wants us to have in our lives. So how did he love? And Jesus is saying, you have to make the love a verb to keep the ride or die for life. You have to make love active in your life where we are actively loving one another. Last week we talked about the importance of seeking God first, that there's no way that we can love our spouse the way that God intends for us to, the way that we should, if God isn't number one in our life. God is number one, our spouse is our number two, our significant other is our number two, and so there's no way that we can love them the way God wants us to without him being first and his love 
flowing through us. If you missed last week, you should go back and watch that. But now today we're going to talk about how does love become active. In, in Philippians 2, 3 through 8, Paul writes about how Jesus loved us and Jesus commands us to love each other the way that he loves us. And today, maybe you're not married or, or you're separated or you've been divorced or, or you're still single and, and, and ready to mingle wherever you're at today. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter that we can apply these truths to really every relationship in our life. And this is the way that God intends us to love one another in our relationships. But for the sake of this series and for those of you who are married, I'd like for you to look at these verses through the lens of your spouse. So Paul starts in Philippians 2, 3 through 8. He says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing. I, I, I really wish for my sake it would have said, well, you can do something selfishly. I mean, there's some things that you can just kind of elevate yourself above everyone else, you know. But Paul says, there's nothing. Do nothing. None of your, your ambitions, none of what you do should be rooted in selfishness or make it about you. He's saying don't just look out for what you want. Look out for what they want. Don't just do the things in the way where you always get what you want. And, and if you're like me, you're going, okay, but how do I do that? Well, Paul goes on and he says, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Place their value above yours. But before we get into humility, let's take a look at what humility is not. The opposite of humility is pride. In Proverbs 16, 18, it says pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. That pride always comes before the fall of your marriage. Pride always comes before the fall of any relationship in your life. Some people are so proud in their marriage that they think they're always right and the other person is always wrong. Some people have forgotten how to humble themselves, to say I'm sorry when they've made a mistake. Some of you in your marriages right now, you're very proud. You're full of pride and it's causing division in your relationship. And How do you know maybe if that's you, if you're full of pride, if you're struggling with that? And those of you who are married right now, I'm speaking directly to you. But if you're full of pride, let me tell you how you know. Right now you're sitting there going, I hope they're listening to this. He should have came today. Can't believe he slept in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to email him the podcast first thing Monday as soon as they put that thing out. This is, this is good stuff. I've been waiting for Kyle to get to this. Thank God. Thank you, Kyle. Praise God. I'm going to pull the app out. I'm going to take extra notes today. That's pride. That's pride. Paul says, be humble. Act like he is more important than you, is what Paul says. Act like she is more important than you. Make decisions as though they are more important than you. Last week, a uh, week and a half ago, Jess and I had the opportunity to go to a conference in West Palm Beach, Florida. I know, suffering for Jesus. It was really tough. Um, <laughs> And uh, we were at a church in West Palm Beach, and we were a part, we, as, as senior pastors, they had a special, lead pastors, they had a special uh, kind of lunch in for us one of the days, and so we're walking over to this other part of their campus, and, and we're walking in, and, and as soon as we walk in, we're greeted by someone, and they say, hey, if you would like your picture taken with Jack Nicholas, just line up right here, and they go, you're the first ones here, so you'll be the first ones in line, it's going to be right here, and I was like, 
I was like, wait a second. Uh, Jack Nicholas, is that like a pastor that's on staff at the church here? I mean, or are you talking about like Jack Nicholas, like the golfer? And they go, yeah, he attends church here and he agreed to do a quick meet and greet with uh, all the pastors today. So yeah, just line up right there. And I was like, Jess, Jack Nicholas. She's like, who's that? I was like, <laughs> Jack Nicholas. What? It's good. Let's just get in line, right? So we're in line, and I'm, I'm getting my phone ready, and they're like, sorry, no selfies. We're going to snap the picture. We'll take your email. We'll email it to you. Don't worry. We'll have a printed copy for you. It was amazing. But here's the picture of, of me and Jess with, with Jack. The golden bear's getting a little shorter in his age. I'm really not that tall. I was like, wow, Jack made me look really tall. But there we are with Jack. But let me tell you something. When I met Jack Nicholas, when, when I heard that was him, right, how do you treat someone like that when you get the opportunity to meet them, you defer to them, right? I didn't go, hey, Jack, you know what? Would you mind switching sides with me? This is my best side. You know, would you, would you be okay with that? Hey, Jack, maybe don't put your arm around me this way. Maybe just up around my shoulder. Would that be good, Jack? Hey, and Jack, by the way, let me tell you about this one time I was golfing. Man, let me tell you, it was the greatest shot of my life, man. It was a par three, and I was just Right? I didn't do any of those things. Why? Because when you, when you meet someone that you value, you treat them in that moment with the respect that they deserve. You defer to them. Hey, whatever, Jack. You want to stand there? Yeah. You want me to stand backwards? Yeah, sure, Jack. I'll stand like this. You can snap it from behind. You know, I really don't want people to see all the baldness, but hey, it's cool, man. Whatever you want to do. Right? You defer to them. The key in that moment was just respect. I shook his hand. I said, Mr. Nicholas, it's really great to meet you. I'm actually from Columbus. He said, really, where at? I said, Lewis Center. He said, oh, really? My assistant was from Lewis Center and lived there 27 years ago. He goes, but there wasn't much there then. I said, no, there wasn't. And then it was like, snap, bye. You know, it was it. (laughs) Moving on. And I didn't go back and go, hey, can we grab a selfie real quick? I didn't do any of that because in that moment, you treat someone like that with respect. This is exactly what Paul is saying, how we should treat each other in our relationships. That you defer to them. Every single day, every decision, all the time, you respond like they are more valuable than you. Do what used to come naturally, right? You remember when you used to treat them that way. Do what used to come naturally. And he says, now begin to do it intentionally, Make love active. Love is a decision that you make. It's a verb. It's a lifestyle that you continue to develop. Philippians 2.4, he goes on. He says, so you do this by not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In the context of this series, Paul is saying, value your spouse and their interest more than your own. And what that means is, is you defer to them. In our relationship, I drive the car. Ride or die, Jess is always riding shotgun. There's a few reasons for that. The one I will focus on today is that Jess prefers that I drive. She'd rather flip through her phone and, you know, smack the kids when they need smacked or whatever needs to happen. But it doesn't mean that I'm just always driving our relationship. It means that there's time where I go, babe, you know what, I'll drive. Where do you want to go, though? I'll take you where you want to go. Where would you like to go? What movie would you like to see? What restaurant would you like to eat at, right? That I defer to her, that I value her interests more than my own. 
But the problem is, in order to do that, is I have to deny myself. And I don't like to do that. None of us like to do that. Scripture tells us that we're born selfish, that we're born with this flesh that craves its own way. And Jesus says that you have to deny yourself. And I can be, if I can be honest with you, I'm only interested in the things that interest me. I'm never going to like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> ever. I will never, ever, ever. I don't care if it's my favorite actor. If it's a Hallmark movie plot, it is terrible, right? <laughs> Give me the first three minutes, I'll tell you what's going to happen for the rest of the movie, right? But you know what I do at Christmas? I watch Hallmark movies with my wife. Not all of them, okay, don't get, I'm not that great. Some of them. But I'll watch them. You know what Jess does? She doesn't like football. She doesn't like it. She doesn't enjoy football. She tolerates it. But she watches it, not because she loves football, but because she loves me. That's what it means to defer, to put them first. And it's an intentional choice that you make to say, I'm going to put your interest above my own. And at this point in the passage, Paul begins to kind of read our minds. He's thinking, we're, and, and he, like you and I are thinking, well, no one really loves like that all the time. No one really does that. Paul says, well, someone did. Verse 5, he said, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. So Paul says, in your relationships, approach your relationship with each other the way Jesus Christ approached his relationship with you. It's a mindset. It's a choice. It takes intentionality because it doesn't come natural. And so we have to develop disciplines that say, this is the way I'm going to love. This is the way I'm going to allow love to be active in my life. And if we think and approach our relationships as it's always this 50-50 thing, well, I give and take, and she takes, and I give, you know. It's never going to work that way. Paul says, Jesus never pulled the I am God card. He never leveraged who he was for his own sake. Jesus was the most important person in the room. Yet, he never leveraged that for the sake of his own benefit. He goes on in verse 7, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. You see, Jesus had all rights due to him. All the attention was due to him, yet he emptied himself of all of that. He wasn't full of himself, he emptied himself, and he became a servant being made in human likeness like you and me. And he didn't have to do any of that. He made a decision to humble himself, he decided to place himself under us and to submit to us while we were still sinners and didn't deserve the love that he was actively giving to you and me. And how did Jesus submit in humility to us? It says this in verse 8. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death and even death on a cross. He became obedient to death, and not just any kind of death, 
He became obedient to the worst possible death that you could. Crucifixion upon the cross. And he humbled himself and allowed the ones that he created to murder him and kill him because he knew that it was the only way that we would have relationship with our Heavenly Father. But I think there was a sense where Jesus had this dilemma. I could maintain my rights and the respect that is due to me as the Son of God, get my way, always be right, and have no relationship with humanity, or I can go into a sinful world, establish a relationship with mankind, but in order to do so, I have to give up what is due to me, the rights and the respect that I deserve, and as the glory of the Son of God, I have to give that up. Jesus couldn't have it both ways. He said, I have to become like them, submit myself to them. The creator must submit himself to his creation. And when Jesus died on the cross for your sin, he put you above him. He put himself beneath us. You see, the dilemma was if, for you and I, it's just like Jesus had, if we want relationship. And the way that God desires for it to be and which is the best way for it to be. Where you ride or die forever. There is no separating that. There's no division that the devil can get in and separate what God has brought together. If we want that type of relationship, we have to do exactly what Jesus did. Die to ourselves. Jesus opted for relationship over personal rights and respect. He couldn't have it both ways. And you know what? We can't either. If you want lasting love, part of you is going to have to die. Part of you will have to submit. You can't have it both ways. And it's only when two people come together and say, I will mutually submit and surrender my rights to you as you submit and surrender your rights to me that you can have that type of of relationship and the reason that you can have relationship with your heavenly father is because Jesus submitted himself on your behalf and paved the way so that you could be forgiven the requirement for lasting love the requirement for your ride or die to make it to last to get all the way to the final destination is opting for relationship over personal rights you can be right Or you can have relationship. You see, Jesus didn't come into this world to be right. He came into this world to submit himself so that you and I could have relationship with him. You see, when we get married, it's no longer me. Right? It's no longer just me. It's now we. It's not just what I want and where I want to go. We talked about that last week. That's one of the pros of being single. You can do whatever you want when you want. You have no one to answer to, no one to to submit to, no one that you're responsible for, right? And then, man, what a blessing marriage is, but it comes with responsibility. What a blessing children are, but they come with responsibility. You just can't be all about you anymore because your decisions directly impact those who are closest to you. And so you change your mindset from, again, finding the one and making it all about you, then to becoming the one. It's no longer... Me, it's we in every aspect of your life. It's a mindset choice. It's changing. If you want to have things your way and do what you want whenever you want, let me give you some great advice this morning. 
don't get married. Stay single. If you're married, you gave up those rights a long time ago. Those were the vows that you made. You gave them up. You made the vow. And as Christ's followers, he says, your love for your spouse will prove to the world that you're mine. And the only way that you can show them the truth of who I am, the reality of what my love is really about, is by submitting yourself, humbling yourself, denying yourself, making love an action, making the intentional choice to put yourself beneath them and putting their interests first. The band's going to close and we're going to close out this morning and I know what some of you are thinking. You go, well, you don't know my spouse. You don't know them. You don't know what they've done. You don't know what they've done to me. They don't deserve this type of love from me. You don't get it, Kyle. You, you and Jess, man, you guys have something. You guys never fight. You never have issues. Jess, you're supposed to say amen there. <laughs> you're a pastor. You have supernatural power that God has given you so you can humble yourself and deny yourself. Let me tell you something. I mess this up all the time. There's times where I elevate my own interest above hers. There's times where I selfishly do what I shouldn't be doing. And it's only by God's grace that this woman has stayed with me for the last ten and a half years. But you may go, you just don't get it. You don't have the same issues I do. You don't have the same problems. And let me just say this to you today. That no matter what's going on, side note, if you're in an abusive relationship, by all means, I'm never saying you should put your life or your safety or the safety of your children in jeopardy. You need to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Don't ever stay in an abusive situation. If you need help with that, talk to us. We'll help you with that. But don't ever stay in that. But when there's just tension and there's divide and there's selfishness and there's anger and there's hurt and, 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 and we're struggling to overcome these things, Jesus reminds us and Paul reminds us, he says, that you have to always remember it's about me, it's not about them. In Ephesians 5, Paul's giving us kind of this overview of what it means to be a husband and a wife and how we love each other and submit to one another and how we flesh that out and in verse 21 of Ephesians 5 he says and further submit to each other to one another out of your reverence for who Christ you don't submit to them because of them you don't submit to them because they deserve it you do it because Jesus did it for you and that's what he says that's what I want you to do for me and what's amazing is is that when both people begin to do that and if the other person isn't just watch start denying yourself Start intentionally elevating them. Start putting their interest over your own and begin to see the change that will happen in their heart. Begin to see how God will do a work through you in them to see the relationship begin to change. He says you do it not because they deserve it. You do it because that's what Jesus did for you. And next week, Jess and I are going to do a, a talk together and talk about how we flesh this out in our marriage and how we do that and how we've walked through some of these issues and these difficulties John 13 35 again Jesus says it's your love for each other that will prove to the world that you're my disciples you see I believe that there's a way that we can resolve every conflict in a 
way that's honoring to both parties. And once you decide up front that I'm going to treat you as if you're the most important person in the room, you'll begin to see how God will bring down walls, break barriers, give room for his love to work. And we think, well, that would be awesome if that happened. Well, I think that's what God wants to happen. I think that's what God desires. I think that's what we have the potential for if we will follow the model that Jesus laid out for us. Denying ourselves, putting others' interests above our own, loving them as we would love ourselves, of elevating them above us, treating them as they're the most important person in the room, deferring to them, putting them first. What does it look like for you in your relationship to opt for relationship over your rights and your wants and the respect that you feel like you deserve. Whatever that is, do that. That's how you make love a verb. It's something that you do. It's what people do who stay in love, who make it the distance with their ride or die. Is it hard? Oh my goodness. It's very hard. And I would even go as far to say this. It's impossible if Jesus isn't your number one. It's impossible if he isn't first in your life. It's impossible. It's very difficult to do. Is it worth it? Absolutely. It's not as hard as a bad marriage. It's not as difficult as going through a divorce. It's a decision you make whether your spouse makes it or not. You invest in your marriage. You put in. What you put in is what you're going to get out. Be the different that you want in your relationship. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. You want your wife to respect you, respect her. You want your husband to love you, love him. The Bible is very clear. clear. You will reap what you sow. No way around it. So if you want what you've never had, you're going to have to be willing to do what you've never done. And if you want what you once had, do what you once did. It used to come naturally. Now it's going to take intentionality. And again, but this entire message is impossible to live out if we don't seek God first. If he's not number one and our spouse is our number two, if we don't allow his spirit to love through us, there's no way that we can be the disciples, the children of God that he wants us to be in our relationships and in our marriages. It's God first, it's them second. And if you put God in the driver's seat of your life, your ride or die, your relationship, you won't become a statistic. You'll make it the distance as you put others first. Would you stand with me today? We're going to close out. We're going to sing this song together. It's called None But Jesus. Today, I just want us to make that commitment. Just for a second, just disconnect yourself from your relationship and make it about you and Jesus. Don't think about them right now. And just go, God, what do you want from me? God, how can I commit to you more? God, how can I allow you to work through me? Because God, right now in my relationship, it's going to be difficult for me to love that way. It's going to be difficult for me to defer and to humble myself and to elevate them with the, with the tension. God, I need your grace. God, I need your mercy. Where we seek him first. He made it so clear, didn't he? Jesus gave us this command. He says, love the Lord your God with everything that you have. Then love your neighbor as yourself. you got to love him first you got to be right with him first. There's no way you can flesh this out, live this out, if Jesus isn't living and working through you. So today, let's make that commitment together as a church. 
that we want to represent Jesus well, that we want to be his disciples, that we want to love the way that he loved us, specifically within our relationships with one another. Father, we love you. We're so thankful that you humbled yourself. You were God in the flesh, and yet you put me before you. God, I'll never understand it. While I was yet a sinner, while I was still turning my back and living a selfish life of sin to indulge my own pleasures. God, you willingly died for me. God, help us never to forget what you did for us. And God, then help us to represent that amazing love to our spouse, to our children, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to our family, to our friends. God, that we would put others first. God, that we would empty ourselves the way that you emptied yourself. Help us to be your servants within our marriages today, God. We need your grace to do it. But Lord, we put you first. We seek you first. There's none other above you. There's no one but Jesus that can help us to do this. So Lord, have your way in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name.